This month's Where Did the Road Go is sponsored by three awesome people. Ellison Cook, Super Inframan, and 36 Dingo. If you want to help support the show, become a Patreon at wheredidtheroadgo.com. You get extra stuff all month, shows a week early, and much, much more. And now our show. Transmission start. Welcome to Where Did the Road Go? Join us as we wander off the path and explore lost history, consciousness, the paranormal, unexplained mysteries, alternative thought, and much more. We are present on the web at wheredidtheroadgo.com. Now here is your host, Soraya. Welcome to this edition of Where Did the Road Go? And tonight I have with me Mr. Christopher Ernst. Hey, everybody. And Super Inframan. Hello, hello. And I am losing my voice. So, of course, this is when we're doing a listener story show. It's all right. We'll do tag team. Yes. Yeah. So you guys are going to read some stories. Because um, I have been sick for about a week with a off and on sore throat, which could be just about anything. And... uh it's, it doesn't, it's not even that it hurts. It's just making my voice worse at the moment. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it'll hold up through the show and get stronger. We'll see. A little spice. <laughs> so uh, this is, yeah, this is going to be a listener story show, which I've been wanting to do for a while. I have a bunch of stories here from this year and last year. I have no idea if we're going to get through them all, but we're going to give it a shot. Um, and there was one I wanted to start with. Eh, I wonder which one that was. Actually, there's this one. This one actually came from Reddit, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, and I actually responded to the guy on Reddit about it, too. <clears throat> Posted by Call Me Jim. Jimothy. Jimothy. Oh, all right. That's a pretty tame Reddit name there. <laughs> it is. Uh, and it just says, truly bizarre encounter makes me question the future. I used to work in a casino. One night I was approached by an elderly woman asking about paging someone over the intercom. I tried explaining where to go, but she insisted I personally walk her to the desk where they can do that. As I walked her through the casino, she started talking to me. She mentioned she was a medium and how her family always has strictly advised her against sharing that information with people. When you work, work in a casino, you encounter a lot of scammers and odd people. I was polite, but tried not to engage with her much on the topic. As we kept walking, she said something to me about my sister. I stopped and I asked her how she knew about my sister. She didn't, but started talking to me at great lengths about my family. At this particular time, my sister was going through a very difficult time in her life that was impacting our family as a whole. As a whole. I was skeptical, but curious. As she went on, I was careful to neither confirm nor deny anything, but just listen to what she had to say. She went into great detail about how my father, mother, and even I played into the current situation. She even began to become visibly emotional as if she could feel what my mother was feeling. I was utterly astonished as she told me that I, being the oldest and most diplomatic in the family dynamic, needed to be more outspoken with everyone involved. Everything she had told me was undeniably accurate and insightful, but then she shifted her focus. She told me about someone I worked with and went into great detail about what this person looked like and how they felt about me. She started talking about the dynamic between us and advised me to take caution. At this point, she had lost me. I couldn't think of a single person or relationship in my working life that fit this description. I became, was becoming more skeptical again, and I reminded her I needed to get back to work and kept walking toward our destination. 
She kept talking to me as we walked, and I began once again to find myself astonished as to not just what she was telling me, but also how she would go about it, her body language, expressions, and emotional energy. As we got closer, she abruptly stopped walking. When I noticed, when I noticed, I did as well and stopped to turn back to her. Before I could say anything, she placed her palm at the base of my sternum, above my belly button, just below where my ribcage started. I immediately noticed a physical sensation. I became paralyzed, and it was almost like she was stealing the breath from my body. I started becoming hyper-aware of my surroundings, the lights and dings from the electronic games, the mass amounts of people walking by, but everything seemed to be in slow motion or almost as if I was leaving my body. It could only have been a few seconds. It could have been 20 minutes. I don't know. But I felt like I couldn't breathe, and I felt weakness in my knees, and I started to feel like I was on the verge of passing out. Casino security saw this encounter and approached us. When security interrupted us to ask what was going on, it must have startled her because I felt this shockwave through my entire body. She jerked her hand back and started apologizing profusely to me. As soon as she pulled her hand back, I was able to breathe again and gain control back of my body. I was completely freaked out. It must have been visible because security kept asking me if I was okay. I assured them everything was fine and then walked off. I turned back to the woman, still apologizing, and she said, if you don't do something about that ulcer, it's going to kill you. I was so freaked out, I told her, thanks, but I have to go back to work now and quickly headed back to my office. Not only was I in a bizarre headspace, but I was noticeably and completely void of physical energy. The entire experience was the most profound encounter of my life, and I will never forget those words and physical sensations. I was having a lot of stomach issues at the time, but I was far too scared to get a medical verification of an ulcer. I had already previously suspected it, and it was a potential side effect of the medication I was on at that time. But if that wasn't bizarre enough on its own, <clears throat> it gets even weirder. The encounter happened nearly 10 years ago and has sat with me ever since, but recently I was reflecting back on it, and I realized that the second part about the coworker that initially made no sense at all suddenly did. The entire situation played out in my life a few years ago. The description of the person and the very specific details were 100% spot on from what was described to me 10 years ago. I even realized the entire situation was initiated nearly seven years to the day the moment this woman described it to me. Not only were the two incidents separated by seven years, but the person she described I hadn't even met yet and was in an entirely different state and company. I don't know what to make of this. I've come here to see what others take is. I'm open to this type of stuff, but I've always approached this situation skeptically. I love to hear what anyone has to say about it. Wow. So I was kind of blown away by that one. Yeah. <clears throat> because oh, cool. where she touched him is the chakra that you basically will astral project out of. Yeah. So I don't know what she, whoever she was, obviously had a decent amount of energy to be able to do that to him. But it sounds like she was not in control or acting in of some, not of her own free will in some way. Like there was some weird compulsion to the the medium, the woman to go up to her, right? Like what was the a little bit? How? Yeah. Or or at least when she touched him, she seemed you know almost like she couldn't not do it. Right, which exactly. yeah, yeah. Or but why did she approach him in the first place? What was uh? Remind me. I'm sorry. Going back to the very very yeah, beginning. Yeah, very beginning. Um, paging someone over the page. intercom. Yeah, paging. Okay. So Let's see, that's right. Was this in Las uh Las Vegas? It sounds like it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he just said I work in a casino. He didn't say where. Right. Yeah. So this is interesting. Um, you know, I, I've I've alluded to the old days of when uh, 
MSN chat and things like that were around, and there were some psychic rooms. And uh, I had a friend named Wendy that actually lived in Vegas, and she was like uncannily psychic, just crazy. And uh, I would save some of the stuff that she would write for me because she told me who I was going to marry. And uh, she was right. But, you know, it was 10 years before I met that person. Uh, it, I had kind of forgotten that she had told me all this stuff until I found the notes that I kept. Uh, but, I, you know, she reminds me a lot of the lady in this uh, because it wasn't one of those things where she would just know things about you. Uh, that discernment of the dynamics of how they interacted was something that she keyed in on. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and that, there's something else in here i'm trying to kind of hone in on but that that sort of you know either being led or guided by you know whatever right. this is right. yeah that that was something that was present with her and uh, she was on a different level than everybody else that hung around those rooms back in the day there were some really impressive folks but wendy was just uh you know in, in a different she was a major league player and the rest of us were you know playing t-ball uh, yeah. but uh, this is fascinating to me though i i really think it's interesting how she perceived the dynamics of the family yeah um you know, and what I'm actually surprised at too. I, I'm glad that he pointed out that he had already been having stomach issues because for a split second I was like, "Did she give that to him?" Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, and the thing this hit me in two ways because one, uh, the one girlfriend I had who was having a lot of issues would pull energy out of my solar plexus chakra. Uh huh. She would place her head against it, and yeah. I actually have a yeah. lump on the bone there from her yeah. doing that. Wow. So I know that is where, and I know that feeling, you know? Yeah. Like that feeling of stuff just being pulled out of you because she would pull the energy out of me because she needed it. And yeah. it was a really weird sensation. So I'm reading that, but also the the fact that, you know, he predicted this thing that didn't, or she predicted this thing that didn't happen to him for seven years, which comes back to the big question I always have, like, how much free will do we have? Right, right. Because right. how many things yeah. have to, you know, it's one thing if sure. you're predicting something that's going to happen tomorrow or the next day. But seven years in the future, there's so many potential choices that everyone could make for that to come true, you know, and it's happened to me and it's happened to other people and it's happened to this guy and it's happened to you with your wife. I mean, what does that say about free will? That's the excellent question. Um, As well as time. As well as time. and. I always wonder because, you know, we, we talk about times happening all at once. Uh, you know, if it's one of those things where it's both, where uh, because it's happening all at once, it's known, but free will also exists. It just doesn't make sense to us from yeah. our perceptions. Or certain things are set in stone. Or certain things are set in stone. That's a good point, too. Yeah. There was a phrase Doctor Who used for that, and I can't remember what it was. Fixed oh, yeah. Points. These fixed points. Yeah, fixed points. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we all have certain fixed points in our lives that we would really have to screw up royalty to not get to. Yeah, yeah. Right, these sort of like pivot points. Yeah. At, at the same time, it seems like you'd have it, it. it's interconnected with everyone else, so it's like a web. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that, that, I had to save that one because that one really uh, stuck with me there. That's really cool. And what a, a wild experience to have like you know, just being at work and like, okay, I'm going to walk this person to where they, you know, do the paging and then, you know, get brought into, 
uh, you know, this whole analysis of like your family interactions and how all this is going on without telling the person any of this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that that's unsettling enough. And then to have the um, prediction about the person and the, the ulcer, that's a whole nother thing. Well, that's the so, thing. She said the ulcer would kill him. So if she hadn't have yeah. said anything, would he have even lived to meet this other person? You know, I mean, right. oh, that's a good point. Right. Oh. The, the, the sort of, uh, some of the, the yogis and the, the Sufis that, um, I had studied, uh, or spoken with, um, said something similar to, um, God, what was it? It was a poet. Anyway, the idea, uh, I don't know if it was Hafiz or, um, Rumi, um, Anyway, the idea that like you're uh, uh, that div- the, the, that free will. What was the metaphor? I'm trying to think. It's like there's a train, okay? So you're um, uh, it's like a train journey. So like you begin the journey and you're stuck with whatever baggage you have, and that the baggage sort of represents like your karma, uh, maybe, and uh, the 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 sort of will of the universe is represents the route the train is on and you can't really alter that route or the the route or the journey but um uh like you are able to move about on the train and do what you want in that sort of uh space and this was the this was a metaphor that was sort of Hmm. explained to me which i'm you know i don't know if i have my head wrapped around that completely but it's this idea of like predetermination but with free will within that there is free will encapsulated, um, which I think to me, I almost feel like that could kind of align with this idea of there being these fixed points. Like there are things that are determined in the same way that you determine like what vehicle you're riding or what house you're in, but then your ability to sort of freely manipulate what you do within those parameters is there. Yeah. Uh, or at least that's how I kind of in- interpreted it. Now, yeah. I like that analogy. I like that a lot too. Uh, yeah, you know, it makes me think of like the Damon idea being uh, sort of connected to the concept of video games when you, mm-hmm. you know, roll your character and a lot of RPGs and things like that. You know, you, you've predetermined your character and there's going to be events that happen in the game. But the way you get to those and address them is, you know, yeah, at, at yeah. least in some form up to you. Yeah, our, Reality is so much like video games sometimes. It's kind of scary. Yeah. And I think that, you know, these these moments happen, you know, uh, these same yogis and Sufis, you know, talk about. Uh, people almost becoming like unwitting agents of the uh, like the sort of the control system of creation. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I wonder about that in that, you know, when people, you know, you have an inspiration or I don't know if you ever had these moments when like, uh, I don't know, you decide like, oh, you know, I'm going to let this person, I don't know, <laughs> come, you know, uh, turn, take a left in front of me or something like that. You know, when you have moments that seem sort of inspired to do something that impacts another person's life, mm-hmm. I, you know, often wonder about that. And I know that it can happen in much more, you know, sort of mystical ways. Like there was, you know, my grandmother um, on my mother's side, and my mother's side is the side that sort of is the the, the weird side. Um, she was living in France uh, in the like pre you know, like World War One era. And uh, she was playing Ouija board with her uh, friends and um, uh, there was a knock on the door and she went and opened it and there was this uh, 
um, uh, uh, young, uh, uh, like army, like, uh, you know, uh, whatever the, the, whatever the Brit the, or the French military is, okay. um, uh, or he actually might've been British. I think he was British and he, he knocked on the door and he said, uh, I have a, you know, a mess and I, I can't remember exactly. It's been several years, many years since my uh, grandmother passed, but, uh, he said to her, my master has told me to tell you that you need to stop using the Ouija board right now um and put wow. that away uh and um since then like she she did sort of stay away from a cult she would do playing card readings uh and she actually she she predicted her own death um with uh doing a reading with one of my cousins but uh that was you know a really impactful uh and if it was true which i'm assuming it was you know um, yeah. uh, very impactful for her in her life. And so I think these things happen, you know, these like Certainly. moments when something happens. And I remember it was funny after hearing that with my grandmother many years later, uh, there's this sort of occult historian, uh, uh, researcher, um, and all around, uh, he's kind of a, a kook in a lovely way. This guy, Paul Weston, who does a lot of, uh, uh, he does a lot of like occult history on Glastonbury and like Stonehenge and that whole area there. Oh, okay. And he uh, uh, actually wrote a book, and uh, he has, I think there's some uh, he talks that he did on YouTube out there. Um, he's a big like occult person in sort of the British occult scene, yeah. particularly in Glastonbury. And he, um, uh, I guess, his father was in the military. Uh, like this was World War Two. Uh, so I don't think it was the same, but he had these similar uh, experiences where he was sort of like, uh, and he would think he was stationed in India, where he was like led and, uh, um, you know, sort of found this like guru in a cave who gave him instructions to to tell people things. And it's really, you know, funny stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, it's I had never heard anything sort of similar until I came across uh, that from Paul Weston. Damn. All right. Um, what do you anyway, want? I find it similar to this thing that talking about this experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm saying to them, I think that this does happen and that if you, you know, you can take it as, you know, as meaningful as the impact was to you if they're yep. listening. Yeah. So what do you want to read? One of the ones I sent to you? Yeah, I, I can read the, uh, that you want to let's do the first one there. Yep. Um, okay. So, uh, <clears throat> Hey, Soraya. Um, my boyfriend and I love your podcast and have been listening for a couple of years. Keep it strange. I wanted to reach out and share some stuff that's happened to me in my younger years, moving into my early twenties. Even though I was raised Catholic, I've always believed in ghosts and the paranormal ever since I was a little girl growing up in Arizona. The following experiences have just served to solidify my beliefs in the weird and unknown. The last trip my Girl Scout troop went on was in the summer of 1999. We had just graduated eighth grade, so we all were between 11 and 13 years old. My mom was our troop leader, and we had two other mom chaperones with us. Our trip was to Savannah, Georgia, birthplace of the founder of the Girl Scouts. Very old place with a lot of history, and we visited some pretty creepy landmarks, plantations, headstone rubbings, guided ghost walks, etc. The adults did a great job keeping it interesting, and I got to experience chigger bugs for the first time. Those tiny little ones that burrow in your skin... For the record, while Spanish moss is really cool looking, you shouldn't drape it around yourself to pose for pictures. <laughs> anyway, the first leg of the trip, we stayed in a seedy motel because the trip was very expensive and we had a lot of stuff planned. One of the first nights uh, we were there, 
We did the guided ghost tour and took rubbings from the headstones of some popular figures that were buried in the cemetery we toured. Girls being girls, we all scared each other pretty good. By the time we got back to the motel, it was late, maybe 1 a.m. We were separated, three girls and one mom, to a room. I was with my mom and two of my best friends that I had grown up with since kindergarten. We were all exhausted and fell asleep very quickly. At 3 a.m., we were all woken up by the sound of glass shattering. Mom turns on the light on the nightstand and reaches for her eyeglasses, but they're not there. My water glass had been thrown across the room and shattered against the wall. Water and glass was everywhere. Mom's eyeglasses were also on the other side of the room and bent as if from the impact of being thrown. All the drawers were pulled out. The pictures on the walls were askew and every faucet in the room was turned on full blast, including the bathtub. All four of us were still in bed. Us girls started screaming and mom said a prayer to rebuke whatever was in that room with us. After we got the room back in order, turned the water off, cleaned up the broken glass and fixed mom's glasses, we all eventually fell back asleep with the lights on. The next day, we asked if that happened to anyone else in their rooms. They all said no and thought we were crazy. The rest of the trip went on without incident. Shortly after returning home, like a month later, I started seeing this shadow figure in my house. I couldn't really look at him directly, only a glimpse out of the corner of my eye. He was tall like a full-grown man, no hat, no features, just a sh tall shadow guy. He'd be standing in the, halfway out, in the hallway outside of my room, off to the side and partially out of view, or in the kitchen at night when all the lights were turned off. This went on for years, well into high school. Sometimes he startled me, but eventually he became a regular figure in the house, like mom or dad, walking around the house in the middle of the night. A few times I'd wake up in the middle of the night and he'd be right directly in my face, less than an inch from my nose. I'd blink a couple times and he'd be gone. Scared the crap out of me when he'd do that. He didn't get in my face that often, and I don't recall anything eventful occurring before or after that. Mom saw him, too, in her face or in the hallway during that period of time. He wasn't malicious or anything. He was just there, watching. Fast forward to my early 20s. I went on a road trip to Salt Lake City, Utah with my boyfriend at the time, and we took scenic routes there and back. I think I was 22 years old. We were out in the middle of nowhere, somewhere in northern Arizona would be my guess, because it looked like we were on the res, the Native American reservation land. We'd already been driving for several hours, and it was really dark. We stopped at a hotel that was adorned with Native American art, totem poles out front, which was strange considering we were in Arizona. Long pi uh, pictures of authentic teepees and other historical artifacts in the lobby. Log cabin style building with the second floor having vaulted ceilings. It was a really cool looking place. We checked in for the night, went to our room, and got ready for bed. Shortly after I closed my eyes, I felt an angry presence in the room. Something did not like us being there. I ignored the feeling and rolled over. As I was rolling over, my eyes opened, and I can make out this massive eagle-topped totem in the corner of the room by the door. Glowing red eyes, wings outspread, beak opened like it's screeching, <coughs> like it's screeching a warning to a predator. I turned the light on, and it's gone. Okay, that was creepy. I'm probably just tired and having a hard time falling asleep in a strange place, I tell myself. Turn the light off, roll over the other way to face my boyfriend, and close my eyes. Not but three seconds later, we hear the sound of shattering glass. The boyfriend pops up and turns the lights on. My water glass is across the room in a million pieces. The faucets are on full force. Pictures are on their sides, and the drawers are pulled out. Exact same thing that happened in Savannah a decade before. We pray and rebuke and fall asleep with the lights on. We left in the morning before it got to be full light. 
Same trip on the way home, going through northern New Mexico. It's probably two or three in the morning. Very, very dark on the second lane high on the two lane highway. No street lights, no other cars. The boyfriend is driving, and we're going roughly eighty miles per hour on a long straightaway. I'm wide awake because it was supposed to be my turn driving, but we couldn't find a gas station to pull over and switch. I'm staring at the passenger window at the mountain on our right, trying to make the outline of the mountain against the black sky and stars. The moon is somewhat clouded over, but it's still providing barely enough light to see the road ahead. All of a sudden, this impossibly tall humanoid figure appears outside my window, probably a quarter of a football field away, and it's running fast. Fast enough to keep up with a car going 80 miles per hour. It was definitely taller than the NBA basketball players I'd met, so it had to be close to 8 or 9 feet tall. I tried to get the boyfriend to look at it, but we're driving really fast and he refused to take his eyes off the road. I couldn't tell what color or it was uh, because it was so dark out, but it looked like as if it was covered in hair, not wearing any clothes, and was definitely running upright on two legs like a human, arms pumping at its sides and everything. I rolled the window down to see if I could hear anything, but I couldn't hear anything over the fo- tires crunching on the road. This goes on for maybe five minutes. I can't tell if the figure ever looked over at us, but it eventually changed its direction to the right and started heading towards the mountain and out of sight. Again, we were in northern New Mexico on a scenic route back to Phoenix. Same boyfriend, maybe a year later, we go out to Taney County, Missouri, for his grandpa's funeral. I think Taney, Taney, T-A-N-E-Y County, Missouri, for his grandpa's funeral. That night, we go over to his friend's house to hang out and have some laughs. It was a very still night, no wind, no clouds, bright, bright moonlight, and a lot of bugs. It's getting into the wee hours, and we all decide to take a trip to the woods and check out an old schoolhouse from the early 1900s that had a sad story attached to it. The schoolhouse had been burnt down, and everyone inside perished. They were all buried at the site, with the teacher being closest to the road. The site is probably a good 10 miles or more in the woods. We found it without issue, and were making our way deeper into the clearing when the leaves and the trees started shaking, but there was no wind. I look up and see two glowing red eyes about six feet off the ground at the tree line. They're about a full football field away. The leaves keep shaking, and the boyfriend says, Do you hear that? I say, Yeah, it's got to be the wind. His friend goes, There is no wind, and WTF is that? Pointing to the two red glowing objects in the trees. Then we hear, uh, then we all, then we all three hear very loudly, get out. I'm getting goosebumps just writing this. I could feel the sound in my chest. It was a deep, deep voice. Only one voice said at one time, and there was no echo, but it sounded as if it was coming from all directions. You don't have to tell me twice. I turn around and book it back <coughs> to the car. The guys are already running, too. We jump in the car and go speeding back down the dirt road we came in from. When we make it back to the house, we all get out and notice fresh streaks in the dust on the side of the car. What WTF is that? Well, do you guys have kids? Asked the friend. No. On the back window of the car, there are fresh little kid handprints in the dust all over the back of the car. The streaks are in groups of four and five and looked as if they could have been made by a child's fingers with the middle finger being slightly longer than the rest. Not possible for them to have been there prior to the trip because the car was freshly washed at the rental agency in Phoenix Phoenix before we left. That's about the extent of my weirdness. I hope you enjoyed my spooky experiences. Thanks for reading. Shannon from Phoenix, Arizona. I love wow. that third story of the thing running alongside the car. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I totally pictured that. The the f- I, yeah. the first couple uh, with the glass breaking, I mean, are very similar in a sense. Yeah. Different different place, but I'm wondering if there's if if she has some sensitivity that's causing poltergeist activity under certain circumstances and it targets glass. Yeah. Or yeah. even circumstances where there's like uh, where she is encountering perhaps something else that is, you know, extraordinary you know yeah. uh in that space that's prompting her reaction yeah i mean the the thing running alongside the car that's just bizarre especially at that speed yeah well you know in that whole area out there so it's very diverse but you've got such big open areas too in mountains off in the distance uh that would be quite the sight um, yeah i've driven that i remember driving um when we were doing the the movie uh with uh, adam go riley oh yeah we were driving across uh new mexico at like 1 a.m in the middle of uh 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 of what's i think called angel fire so it's essentially the middle of like the mountains uh going from uh west to east and uh, it was a thunderstorm and i i can really picture i mean i did not see a, a figure like this but i absolutely can picture that area and uh seeing something like that and not only would it fit completely into the vibe of the area but um I, you, you really would like if if that's what she saw it's really hard like when that light you know when the way the light comes kind of over the mountains there um you know, it's almost like being backlit a little bit, and I don't know what the lighting conditions were, but it's really hard for it to, you know, you to mistake like that. I can't. She would have had to been seeing something that really was that, you know, uh, or or striking the form of that. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, and the the last one also the very creepy. Handprints. handprints. Yeah. Well, the handprints and the get out and the red eyes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That um, and where and you got to wonder were the eyes or just lights that got perceived as eyes? Yeah, that crossed my mind too. If it was, you know, of course, whether or not they could hear it or not, but like lights on an ATV or something, or well, I'm, I'm thinking anomalous lights, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's possible oh no, too. anomalous lights too, for sure, for sure. That I mean, that the yeah, the Taney County, Missouri. Uh, I don't know exactly where that is in Missouri, but that okay, so the 1900 schoolhouse. I mean, it seems a little like almost too on the nose for like dead, ch- you know, uh, dead school children. But who knows, you know, uh, right? The little or it could yeah. be a, that, yeah. it could also be a tulpa of dead school children because people, exactly, you know, sure, sure. Sure. yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's reputable to be that, yeah. You know, in my head, of course, after uh, the the person running or or the the figure running, I started thinking of uh, you know some of the indigenous mythologies with little people. Um, yeah, yeah, I was thinking puck wedgies. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I'm like, you know, I almost would take the, the ghosts of the children over something like that. True. True. So Albatwitch, Albatwitch. Well, the Albatwitch just like apples. So that's right. Just like apples. (laughs) Hey, Albatwitch Fest is coming up in October. That's right. It is. I I wonder if it's going to be the same weekend as, uh, the strange realities. No. Oh, good. It is the weekend before, which I'm hoping to be there. Nice. All things go well. I believe it's, yeah, it is October 8th. Nice. Oh, it's my daughter's birthday. Maybe I can convince her to go up there for her birthday. There you go. Good idea. Just kids want to go uh, to a festival <laughs> celebrating. Well, actually, she might be interested in that. So. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the following week is the Strange Realities Conference. Okay. Oh, 
All right. Uh, Super Inframan, would you like to read the next story? Sure, sure. Um, okay. Hi, Soraya. Love the show. Like Joshua Cutchin, I'm Paranormal Kryptonite. Nothing weird ever happens to me, but I know a few people who I can vouch for as credible who claim to have had strange encounters and synchronicities. The first story happened when a friend of mine, who I will call S., uh, was 11 years old. S. had left the house during a family gathering to retrieve a pair of slippers they had left in a vehicle. But as they approached it, they saw what appeared to be a nondescript woman sitting in the vehicle's back seat. Frozen with fear, S. stood there before working up the courage to return to the home and tell the adults in the house. Upon entering the house, S. felt faint and passed out. When S. woke up, it was observed that they had an unexplained fever. S. told the adults about the encounter and was reassured that the apparition was likely that of S.'s recently departed grandmother since the experience took place on the anniversary of the grandmother's death, though S. claims they did not recognize the woman. The second story occurred within the last couple of years and involves my same friend S. from the previous story. S. was camping with friends on a secluded beach on a small island in the Philippines. At about 3 a.m., S. and their group of friends attempted to walk to find shops that were approximately one to two miles from the beach uh, through an area that was dark with little to no light. The group used to be, uh, excuse me, the group used the flashlights on their phones to illuminate the way, eventually coming upon two ferocious and barking street dogs. S. described the dogs as large, bulky, and of a non-specific breed with eye shine that shone with red when reflected by the flashlights. Upon reflection, S. also described hearing a strange howling from the nearby woods when they encountered the dogs. The group shined the light from their phones at the dogs to ward them off when they eventually stumbled, stumbled across a strange man who appeared out of nowhere while a few members of the group stopped to relieve themselves along the trail. Keep in mind, this area is very secluded, with the only residences nearby being a few scattered huts, and they did not uh, see where the man came from, not to mention the extremely late hour of the night. S. also insists that the man had not been camping on the beach, he just appeared in the middle of the trail. They described the man as being a male, mid-30s, approximately 5'6", with long, unkept hair and a beard. The man was wearing tattered clothing, a flannel-type shirt with the buttons opened, no undershirt, and jeans. Flannel man. <laughs> totally. He also had scars on his face, which S. described as looking like burn scars. S. further explained that to them, the man looked like something had happened to him, like he had gotten into a fight. His hands looked normal, and in one, he held a golden coffee mug filled with a hot drink, presumably coffee. How and where he'd acquired the mug or the fresh coffee is anyone's guess. S. reported no strange odors associated with the man, uh, which includes the smell of coffee. He wore no shoes, and his feet were filthy, except his toenails looked strangely well-groomed. S. also noticed that his teeth were chipped and broken. The man proceeded to ask where the group was going and informed that the shops at the place they were heading to were closed, while the dogs mentioned earlier barked behind it. S. described the dogs as standing with the strange man as if they belonged to him. The man also seemed unnaturally interested in exactly where the group was staying, apparently trying to discern whether or not they were camping on the adjacent beach. The group politely blew him off, getting a strange feeling from him. He continued following them down their path until he turned the opposite direction and down a side street before disappearing. 
the group continued to try and find their way, hoping to run into somebody who might help them. They crossed a bridge over a cove connected to the ocean. Upon getting to the end of the bridge uh, and turning on, excuse me, onto the beach, they saw another person walking. They ran to the person only to find that it was the strange man from before, <laughs> this time without his mug and dogs, in an area in the complete opposite direction from where they last saw him heading. S insists that the man could not have gotten to the beach before they did, since the only way uh, was either over the bridge or through the water. Besides the fact that if he had taken an alternate path, the man would not have gotten to the beach quicker than the group did. S, upon reflecting, also noticed that the man had managed not to leave any footprints in the sand along the beach. They left him again, and the next morning they spoke to the caretaker on the beach and described their experience. The caretaker explained that it was likely an encounter with an aswang, uh, a catch-all term in Filipino folklore for paranormal beings that supposedly have the power to shapeshift, specifically into dogs and prey on humans, analogous to a western uh, vampire or werewolf folklore. The caretaker also claimed that there had been several recent disappearances and deaths on the island of children and men fishing at night attributed by the locals to the Aswang. It may be Aswang. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure the pronunciation on that. And I think Aswang, uh, I think. Aswang? Okay. I think. And that it was for the fear of these creatures that the shops on the island closed early, uh, not wanting to be open during the late hours. S is adamant that they will never return to the island. Uh, S had a few more stories, including witnessing a demonic possession, ghostly disembodied hands, and their family being cursed by a witch. But I'll leave it there. The third story comes from a, is from my grandmother, who I'll call M, uh, who was in her early 70s when this experience took place. This happened within the last couple of years. M was preparing for bed like every other night and upon laying down, tried to fall asleep. She described the experience as happening in a liminal state where she was not quite asleep while also not quite fully awake. While in the state, M claimed she heard a disembodied woman's voice in the other room say, Oh, mama, everything's going to be all right, and distinctly felt a hand caress the side of her face. M darted out of bed and called out to her son, who was asleep, fearing that somebody had broken into the house, the tactile experience being so real and vivid to her. Upon realizing her son was asleep and nobody had broken into the house, and upon recognizing the strange voice uh, was her recently deceased daughter's, M deduced and continues to insist the experience was a visitation by her daughter's departed spirit. The fourth story has to do uh, with synchronicities. After my great-grandmother died, our family began to see ladybugs everywhere. Ladybugs would fly into the house uh, through the car window, and one even flew into my great-grandmother's house after she died and landed right in her old chair in the dining room. Eventually, the ladybugs appeared less and less, but it turns out my grandmother really liked ladybugs while harboring a general dislike for insects and even named the family dog Ladybug. And that's the end of the stories that I have, Soraya. Is there more to that? Nope, that's it. Okay, that's it. Okay. So uh, that, the uh, go ahead. Well, all of that was interesting, uh, but the the, yeah. the 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 guy on the island makes me think. For some reason, it puts in the mind of Odin from uh, American Gods. Oh, totally. Oh, I was yeah. thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. This sort of like, which is you know, again, it's tied into the whole wild man, Bigfoot, like they're they're connected at least. But yeah, yeah. very Odin like with the uh, the dogs and the sort of like yep pre- omnipresence. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, and so the the Aswang, I've seen it more as like the uh, the sort of vampire figure where the torso separates from the uh, 
Oh yeah, the lower body. Yeah. But yeah. I have heard it used more generally. Uh, you know, some of the guys that I've done martial arts with that are older Filipino men will talk about or allude to folklore like that. Uh, so that uh, they they would certainly think that was a a, a viable experience to have had. The uh, and the and seeing the the woman in the back seat of the car is just creepy. First of all, yeah, the nondescript woman. I mean, it makes sense they'd associate it with the the grandmother, but yep. the the effect it had on the person where they passed out and stuff is interesting as well. And they got yeah, they got yeah. a fever too. Yeah. yeah. That's I I have heard or at least in you know uh within the sort of like yogic uh um tradition in Southeast Asia uh particularly in, in India uh that's not uncommon for you know there to be a linkage between supernatural or spiritual experience and fever yeah um, that's true yeah hmm. and I probably would I would bet that that's the same is true in like uh, Celtic and European, like uh, uh, fey lore, I, I would not be surprised, especially with like you know changelings and children being fey touched with fever being a symptom. But again, mm. Josh isn't here, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the uh, the 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 grandmother's story there, where she gets yeah, woken nice. up from the liminal state. I mean, the thing is, it's very easy to to. Explain away like like the previous story with the shadow person uh, with sleep paralysis. It's so easy for people to throw those out and say, yeah. "Well, you were just dreaming," you know. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's what it was, but maybe that's not what it was. Maybe you were just in an altered state that allowed you to perceive things differently. Right. Right. You know, I I wonder about this with the deceased relatives, parents, children. Uh, I'll go back and forth between it being a supernatural comforting experience or if it's a way for us to cope with grief. And uh, it can also be both at the same time, too. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah, yeah. true. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with more okay. listener stories. And you can submit your own listener stories at stories at where did the road go.com. That's the email to send them to. I want to take a moment here and thank all of my Patreons for making Where Did the Road Go what it is. I want to give a special shout out to those of you pledging $10 or more. Chuck Shutters, Leanne Cherry, Allison Cook, Super Inframan, 36 Dingo, CJ, Tim, Andrew Nichols, Christine, a blue second gen MR2 drifting around a Japanese mountain. Patricia Gaiaquinta, Alex Whitcomb, American Rambler, Andrew Maines, Barbara Fisher, Beverly Williamson, Big Boy Limina, Charles Davis, Charles in Florida, Land of the Crazy Incommunicable, Lauren McLean, Chris Ernst, Greg Parmenter, Crystal Ann Compton, Diane B., Edu Camahort, MTK, Eric Citron, Varoche K., Eric Todd, Jim Pyre, Joanna Rojas, John Bracken, Carla Mahoney, Ann Witowski, Kevin, Kevin Shrek, Cool Kitty, Kristen L., Laser Printer Jam, Linz Jackson K., Luke Osborne, MJ Armstrong, Jim and Sophie, Mark Brady, Matt in Delaware, Patricia W., Paul Jeffries, Ray Benedetto, Riker and Stark, Roger Gonzalez, Ron Dupre, Sam Sheeran, Tactical Therapist, Taylor Bell, Thunderboy, Tyler Glimstead, Vincent Trewell, Walker, Will Gebhard, Will Powell, Ren Collier, Stephen D., and Amber Hall. Thank you all so very, very much. We live our entire lives knowing that death awaits us. Many believe that some part of us endures. 
Eyewitnesses swear to have seen spirits of the dead haunting the living and even appearing during alien abductions. Is the UFO mystery reaching out to us from beyond the stars or from beyond the grave? This staggering implication demands not only scrutiny of the UFO phenomenon, but near-death experiences, ancient monuments, ley lines, the fey folk, cryptids, and more. I'm Joshua Cutchen. I'd like to invite you into the Ecology of Souls, a new mythology of death and the paranormal, a comprehensive theory of all things supernatural framed through the lens of our final transition. Join me as we journey from the depths of prehistory to the present, from the outer space of the cosmos to the inner space of the self. Ecology of Souls, Volumes 1 and 2, now available from Amazon in print and as a combined ebook. Welcome to the Ecology of Souls. Are you fascinated by UFOs, the occult, strange history, and more? On October 14th through the 16th at SIR Nashville, the Strange Realities Conference 2022 will take place. Three days of exploring the mysteries of the supernatural, history, UFOs, the occult, and much, much more. Featuring presentations by Steve Berg, Micah Hanks, John Tinney, Adam Gorightly, Tim Banal, Christopher Ernst, Samantha Engel, Recluse, Nathan Isaac, Melody Blackthorn, Dr. Future, Soraya Askath, Timothy Ritter, Aaron Gullius, Delaney Bowers, Olaf Phillips, and David Metcalf. With workshops by Kiki Dombrowski, Ren Collier, and Michael Hughes. Come join us in Nashville or online. Tickets are available at strangerealitiesconference.com. Find out what everyone is talking about. So we're back to our listener story show with Super Inframan and Christopher Ernst. Hello. Yes, yes. I completely blanked on both of your names at the same time. <laughs> that's that's totally okay. <laughs> I just I forgot who you were. Yeah. I, I'll I, answer I to anything. That. So what was that? <laughs> I said I'll answer to anything. So you don't have to worry about that. And I have no idea who I am. So yeah. <laughs> All right, so this next one, um, yeah, this one is interesting. Um, it says, I've been a fan of Where the Road Go and a patron for a while now. I've got quite a few weird experiences I can share, but I thought I'd send this one. Uh, as I think about it, every time we talk about Laird Scranton, I usually call this the time I met God experience, although I don't really think that is what happened. I'm just not sure what else to call it in shorthand. I was a pretty big psychonaut in my mid-twenties. I had experimented with LSD with the intention of expanding my consciousness and knowledge. Man, I'm so glad I did that. It was a few years before I truly understood the importance of intention, and I'm sure it kept me from having any bad experiences. I always learned something new or saw, some, saw something that stuck with me. Anyway, this was the 4th of July, 1999. A few friends and I had planned on dropping acid and spreading, spending the day in the big city park, where our annual 4th of July celebrations are held. We had a great day in the park, wandering around, playing Frisbee, and being together. 
Overall, it was a fun day. That evening, I was lying in bed and winding down. It had been several hours since I had taken my last dose of acid, so I was just pleasantly coming down before I was able to finally fall asleep. I was listening to the album Homework by Daft Punk. The song Fresh was playing. It's a pretty mellow song by Daft Punk's standards, and it has the sound of ocean waves lapping against the beach throughout the song. I was listening and listening to the last the last big of that song. Well, I don't know what that means. Maybe last bit. Yeah, yeah. maybe it was last the bit. Yes, it looks like an uh, autocorrect thing. Um, where it is just okay. Yeah, where it is just the sound of water, and staring up at, at my popcorn ceiling. I blink my eyes and I'm someplace else. I find myself in a big white room laying on a white table. It's a small. Oh, I'm sorry. I find myself in a white room laying on a white table. It's a small room, and everything around me, the walls, the table I lay on, are all white. Let me also state at this point, I was completely lucid. I didn't feel any trace of the acid moving through my consciousness at all. As I began to, as I begin to sit up, I notice a being, a woman, walking towards me. She reminds me of a Hindu goddess. Dark complexion with almost a blue hue, but not unnatural. Long flowing hair. I believe she had a small headdress on, but I cannot fully recall. I know her hair went up off her scalp a few inches before flowing downward. She was dressed in white robes, the same color as everything else in the room. They weren't flowing and loose, more close to the body, as I recall. As she saw me sit up, she walked over to me and very clearly said, How does it feel, Craig? A fraction of a second after she asked me, asked me that, she placed her right forefinger in the middle of my forehead, third eye area, and instantly I knew everything. By everything, I mean my naive 23-year-old self considered to be complete knowledge. Um, I remembered being shocked and pleased that I knew Chinese. I don't know why that of all things stuck with me. Maybe it's because I've struggled with learning foreign languages. I don't exactly recall how long I was there or how much I was able to explore that knowledge, but as suddenly as I was there, I was back in my bed. The lapping of waves of fresh was still ending on the stereo. It's literally the exact moment I left. I know this wasn't a dream, and I know it wasn't an acid-induced hallucination. That being said... I'm sure the LSD played a part in this. It can help open your consciousness. I'm 100% sure, though, I went to a different plane of existence or a different reality. I've had different ideas over the years. Was this where I was plugged into the Matrix? Is this where our souls go after we die? Was this a spirit guardian trying to show me the power of knowledge? I'm not quite sure. The woman gave off a very Hindu deity vibe, but I don't know for sure. Maybe it was Saraswati, but I only remember two arms. I wasn't familiar with her prior to this happening. One last thing, whenever I think of this event and try to get that knowledge again, all I get is an image in my brain. It looks like the sacred heart of Catholic imagery, except that the heart is translucent, turquoise, blue-colored stone. It also has a small blue, light blue flame that surrounds it. I have no idea why it looks like that, but I'm sure that is the representation of the knowledge I held in another plane of existence. So much of my contact with the other over the years has been dream, hypnagogic, or altered state of consciousness related, but this one pretty much tops the list. I do have some other weird experiences that maybe I'll get the nerve to send you at some point. Thank you for all your shows and everything you do. Craig from Fort Collins, Colorado. I'm waiting on Chris on this one. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I talk too much anyway. Yeah. I, um, 
Well, I mean, if the experience you had was one that you found beneficial and, uh, you know, you were able to take something from, I don't know if it matters if it's, for me at least, um, I think that a con- the conversation of, like, whether something was real or if you were experiencing, you know, a real other um that's less important, I guess, than sort of what you were able to take away from it. Um, and if you were able to take something away from it that's been able to sort of impact your life as it exists now, I think that that is definitely beneficial. Um, I mean, I think that psychedelics, uh, listen, I think that they're incredibly helpful and can you know, be used to alter consciousness um, in a way that can be really uh, beneficial, as I've said, I've said that word beneficial many times, but I also <laughs> think that it's something that like, um, and I'm not saying this in particular about this story. Uh, I think you can also be seeing things that aren't hallucinations, but you know, maybe you're not necessarily seeing the, um, the true nature of what it is you're being exposed to. There was, you know, one anecdote from uh, some of the sort of obscure stuff that I've studied. Uh, and I only say obscure just because not a lot of people have read it because it's this weird, you know, mix of Sufi Vedantic stuff from India from the 20th century. Uh, but at least there, the idea of drugs and psychedelics were, you know, um, uh, they were like yogi medicine that could be used by yogis to achieve that, you know, certain um, like leaps, you know, like shortcuts uh, to achieve altered states of consciousness. But at the same time, they are showing you can show you shadows of the spirit world. So you're seeing things that might either be twisted and not really what they seem or that are being misrepresented uh, you know, perhaps intentionally, you know, by whatever entities exist in the spirit world. So, um, you know, and this is strictly from the yogic point of view, the idea of psychedelics and what they can do um, in terms of consciousness uh, is limited unless you're employing other means, is basically what I'm saying. Uh, there's an interesting anecdote from uh, Ram Das, um, who, you know, is a has problematic aspects to him as many uh, uh gurus do uh but also had some really um uh great influence i think on some people uh oh, yeah. anyway he was this guy in the 60s richard alpert who was uh uh harvard uh um uh psychiatry professor and he got into psychedelics timothy leary part of that whole crowd he went to india uh, he met with uh, the mystic my parents followed, Meher Baba, and then he ended up meeting with this other guy, Neem Karoli Baba, who was another guru. And there's this anecdote that's given of him meeting Neem Karoli Baba, and he brought with him a bunch of acid, not a bunch, but some acid. And he wanted to know what this was, and so he gave it to Neem Karoli Baba, who was uh, Baba is just, it like means father. It's like frater. Mm. Uh, uh, um, and Neem Karoli is, I think, the area where he was from. Uh, anyway, he gave it to this guy. He gave him, like, an enormous, like, the amount, like, kill an elephant amount of acid. <laughs> and uh, the guy took it, um, you know, sort of, like, was quiet for, like, 20 minutes, asked for more, gave him more. 
um, and uh, like waited another, you know, half hour, however long to, to kick in. Uh, I guess he then made some sort of crazy face at Ram Dass, and Ram Dass was like, whoa, no, I've, you know, killed this old man. But then he went back to normal and was like, oh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He's like, yeah, I know what this stuff is. This is uh, yogi medicine. They used to use it a long time ago in the jungles, but not many people use it properly anymore and was completely unaffected by it otherwise. Um, you know, whether or not that's true, I don't know, but it sort of jibes with a lot of the stuff that I've, you know, researched and learned from those particular lines of yogis and gurus in India. So I think all with all that said, uh, yeah, I have no idea what the, you know, this person actually experienced, but, um, uh, it's one of those things that I think, um, if it ends up being positive, that's great. I do think that, you know, you can get people can get uh, almost addicted to the experience of uh, altered consciousness, especially if you don't like the consciousness that you have or the world you have. And right. um, I think there can be some dangerous roads to go, particularly with, uh, I don't know, some of the uh, like uh spirituality, ayahuasca shamans that are, you know, have been studying ayahuasca for all of like two years and are now, <laughs> doing ayahuasca ceremonies for people and you know i just think you got to be careful like yeah i want to do with anything um but uh at the end of the day it's amazing what i think can be produced by altering one's consciousness uh however you go about doing it the uh what i what i found interesting was the knowledge bit sure because yeah. I've, I've had that kind of happen twice yeah yeah the one time where i was with two other beings and Everything made sense, and I, and I was asleep at the time, but I, I was in an altered state, and like literally everything made sense. It was like, oh my god, this I I understand everything. This is amazing, and I woke up yeah. out of it and was like, I don't even need to write this down. There's no way I'll ever forget this, and then forgot it all. <laughs> right. I, I had a similar experience one time in sort of deep meditation when I was a lot younger and could sort of spend the time going into that where. I had some sort of vision that was, it was similar to being like, uh, how do I describe it? It was like the nature of the universe had something to do with like, it was like uh, 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 an infinite number of uh, iterations, like still iterations of time that you're moving through in this sort of like three-dimensional flow, like like four-dimensional flow chart but you know um obviously didn't stay with me because that sounds like i just hit my wizard bong <laughs> <laughs> you know the uh the figure made me think of uh jeff kreifel's encounter with collie too mm -hmm. yes yeah of course that was you know he described that as an erotic experience as well and this doesn't seem to quite have that <laughs> that aspect to it but uh but the bluish you know, shoe that, yeah yeah but it you know i I don't think I've ever quite had that experience of like having all the knowledge in the world, but it does make me wonder if when you encounter these aspects, whatever they are, if they're, ah, you know, if everything's really connected, uh, you know, if we talk about holographic yeah. verses and information or whatever, like it just allows you the time to perceive everything. And you probably in some, maybe in some plane of reality, uh, you do know all this stuff, but in this world that we live in right now, it just, you know, there, there's only so much you can handle, so you can't access that. You can only access what you've yeah. maybe. I wonder if it's like the new BMW heated seats, you know, uh, <laughs> you where it's like, it's like, it's all there. It's yeah. just, you got to like 
you know, flip that switch. I mean, you <laughs> see you see things like that a lot from everything from, you know, Castaneda and the, you know, well, I don't even want to give the caveat about Castaneda. The stuff that's in Castaneda's book, wherever it came from, uh, of striking the back of your assemblage point and, and shifting your assemblage point. Right. Um, yeah. I, uh, it's Well, there's also uh, the analogy that you're you're an egg, and that egg doesn't actually change. It just becomes more itself. Right, right. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Well, that's what, uh, uh, again, going back to these, you know, specific um, uh, <laughs> bits of uh, uh, mystical knowledge that I, I've come across. Um uh, some of the the yogis that I talked to this idea in this this particular Dutch train lineage uh, that I studied, it was um, that there's like you have your gross body, which is your physical body, and then you have your astral body, which is looks like your gross body, but it's made out of sort of smoky fog if you were to see it. But it has its entirely own set of organs that you that you're used to. Uh, uh, like perceive the astral world and the astral world is the connecting point to the subtle world which is the world of energy and you have an energetic body which is the the buddhist diamond body as it's called sometimes your subtle body and that that actually looks like a luminous uh orb like a luminous circle uh yeah. and that within that there are circles within circles um, which I always thought was interesting. Uh, so I feel like this, you know, it, you see this, this similar, different, it's like, you know, it's like a, a Kundalini or a chakras. You see these different versions of the same idea with these sort of different little twists on them and all of these different mystical and, you know, magical and spiritual lineages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad Craig shared that because that's, that's a really profound experience. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Especially since he wasn't, you know, active since uh, the LSD should have mostly left his system by that point. Um, yep. Yep. It's like it absolutely. just it just left a sliver of a doorway open for him to have that experience. So, uh, Super Inframan, do you want to read the next one? Sure, I can do that. Let me get my Slack back up here. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. Let me expand my screen. Give me one moment. Okay. Yes, no problem. Yeah. Does that put me at... Okay. Hey, Soraya. I'm a big fan of show and the listener story segment, so I wanted to share a story with you. The following took place about a year before lockdown. I shared a three-bedroom apartment with two other roommates in a populous city. As I had been here the long... Or as I had been there the longest, I generally kind of ran the place and made sure the rent was paid and collected the rent from the other two roommates. Me and the other roommate needed to move someone new in, and had settled on a Russian girl who was a stranger to us who we'd met online. From the start, she turned out to be kind of a troublesome personality, but we all generally just did our own things and stayed out of each other's way. Soon after she moved in, weird things began to happen in the place. The first thing was, I was awoken overnight by the sound of someone shuffling around out in the hallway that ran to all of our bedrooms. My bedroom door was shut, so I distinctly, but I distinctly heard the voice of another girl who had recently moved out before the newest roommate and was calling out my name. It could have been an auditory hallucination, but I've never had such things happen to me. It soon began to feel like there was a presence in my bedroom. I started hearing multiple taps on the walls and ceiling, and they would quickly move around the room. I tried to chalk it up to an old apartment building settling and making noises, or maybe even critters in the walls, but I'd never heard these sounds before in the 10 plus years of living there, and they only seemed to happen overnight. One night, I was alone in the bed and in the room and woke up and distinctly heard someone whisper, hey, near the side of my bed. 
At this time, I also began waking up every night at 3 in the morning wide awake. This was unusual as I was typically very tired from the work day and had no trouble sleeping through the night. I began to think something was trying to communicate with it or communicate with me. And following some advice I'd read online, I started keeping a pad of paper and a pen by my bed in case there was something I needed to write down upon waking up. But I never did. I also remember taking a shower one morning in the bathroom that adjoined my bedroom and feeling like I was being watched or there was someone else in my room the entire time, which was very unnerving. This seemed to go on for months and culminated one night when I was sitting alone in my bedroom with the lights on, looking at my computer or something, when I distinctly saw what looked like a dark, shadowy figure in a long black coat and a hat rushing at me in my peripheral peripheral vision to the right. Of course, when I looked, nothing was there, and oddly, I didn't feel particularly scared by what I thought I saw. The girl eventually moved out, and part of that was due to personality clashes with me, her, and the other roommate. That was when the activity seemed to cease. All this time, I can't help but think she brought something into the apartment with her. And weirdly, when she first moved in, she had burned sage. Thanks for reading. So what that suggests to me is that that girl probably had some poltergeist activity floating around her. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, And and interesting to have like that hat man iconography at the end there, too. Yeah. Uh, and usually people are unsettled by that. Um, you know, and sometimes you'll have people associate the hat man and shadow man directly or shadow people, I should say. But, uh, you know, I, I've never heard of the hat man being uh, truly malevolent or anything like that. But uh, uh, it's an interesting image to have that it, it certainly would have bothered me, I think. Right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that definitely sounds like poltergeist energy, just flowing, following her around. Uh, and she may have left some of it there. That was actually what I was going to ask. Like, do you think that uh, even after she left, if there were some minor things that occurred that maybe yeah. uh, the uh, listener didn't quite remember or slipped their mind over the years? Or or just left with her. I mean, it's hard to say. I wouldn't. I've heard. It seems like. If it's strong enough, sometimes it sticks around a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, because it, it, it's almost like its own little bit of consciousness. Yeah. But. I also find it funny that uh, uh, it says, hey. Yeah. <laughs> There's just something yeah. about that that's like. Uh, yeah. It's, hey. one, it, it's one of those things that seems so uh, simple. But at the same time, if someone whispered hey to you from oh, the side of your bed, it's absolutely. creepy as hell. You would creep me the yeah. hell. Yeah. Creep me the heck out completely. It, it, it doesn't have to be like, you know, uh, something sinister. Just a simple hey is enough because there shouldn't be a hey. Right, right. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So there's, I think I gave you guys one more. Chris, do you want to do that one? Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. This is from Anonymous, I think. Yes, Anonymous. Uh, all right. So hello, Soraya. This one is hard to explain properly. So forgive me if it gets a little confusing. This experience happened in 2019, around two weeks after my wife lost her son in a tragic car accident. We were sitting on the back patio when music began playing from the direction of the neighbor's house over the back fence. It sounded like music you would hear from an ice cream truck, like a toy organ or something similar. It was playing a nursery rhyme song that sounded familiar, but we couldn't name. We walked over to the fence as the song ended and another began. This one was also familiar, but unknown. I'll add here that all of her kids nicknamed her Mother Goose many years ago, and this music was along those lines. It didn't sound like a recording. It sounded like someone was playing the instrument in the house. There was this feeling of intention with it. I swear you could feel it was meant specifically for her. 
I figured the neighbors must have known what was happening and her nickname and her nickname and was doing this for her. So I peek over the fence to see what window or door the neighbor had opened because it seemed to be coming from inside their house. But when I tried to locate where it was coming from, it appeared to be coming from somewhere between the first and second floor windows about 10 feet up and almost off to the side of the house, not within it. We walked back to the patio and sat by the table. By this time, it's on the third unnameable nursery rhyme. Uh, When it ends and the next one begins, she gets up to go in the house to get something to drink. I remain seated. As she's walking the 15 feet to the back door, I notice the volume increasing the further she gets away. She went in and left the door open. While inside the house, the music was super loud. She comes back out, walks past me, and goes to the back fence by herself. And as she does this, the volume slowly drops lower and lower. Where I'm sitting is about 30 feet from the fence. After a couple moments, she turned around and headed for the house again. And the volume again begins increasing louder and louder until she goes inside and shuts the door. As soon as the door shuts, the music stops. While this was happening, it had the feel of someone watching her movements and turning a volume knob accordingly to keep it at the same volume for just for her. All of this took at most 10 minutes to play out. When I told her about the volume changing up and down, I wasn't surprised when she said she never noticed a change in volume. This isn't the only experience we had at this sad period of time in our lives, but it's the one we wanted to share. I've been a lifelong experiencer of all things weird and other. But this was the first time I had witnessed someone else as the focal point. It was truly humbling in a way that's beyond my description here. I, I love that story. Yeah. And, and and the fact that it's so focused on that person. But also, yeah. you know, the, the it's a very liminal time. I mean, it's it, you're going to get, if you're going to get weird stuff, it's going to be in that time period. Oh, for sure. For and sure. Th- this was obviously a very positive experience. Yeah. I, I like it when uh, these things are positive experiences. Yeah. I think that, yeah. you know, especially when you're dealing with grief and, and things like that, it's like, okay, you know, these things can be comforting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And I've never heard anything like that before. That's a really interesting story. Yeah. All right. Uh, so there's this one. As we're running a little low on, we're getting low on time. Let's see. Might be able to squeeze two short ones in here. Okay. Wanderer of Northwest Ohio here. This happened mid-August 2020. I was having a campfire in the backyard, and it had gotten late, so uh, to try and wrap things up safely, I had started to stir the coals to get things to cool down before I went inside. As I was stirring, I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. I turned to look and saw nothing, so I figured my brain was just on edge with the fading firelight. So turning back to the coal, I immediately saw it again. This time, I did my best just to try and look at it without actually looking at it. After a bit, I turned again and noticed that I could make out a small, somewhat humanoid figure squatting down through the smoke and only through the smoke. I looked; It looked to be maybe a foot tall squatting down. It had a sharp nose that led, leads to a brow, but I couldn't make out its limbs too well. So this thing sat there staring into the fire ring, barely regarding me at all. I was thinking that this t- this was a hallucination brought on by stress and tiredness. I decided to tamp down the grass about where it was sitting, maybe six to eight feet away, before going back to the coals again. Where out of the corner of my eye, I saw that the thing was no longer looking at the fire, but me. Needless to say, I apologized out lo- loud and quickly went inside. 
figuring the coals are as safe as they needed to be for the evening. Mm, that's good. Yeah. It makes me think of a kobold or some sort yeah. of uh, 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 hob or, or goblin almost. Yeah. I, I appreciate the apology. I would have done the same thing. <laughs> or at least I hope. Yeah, I, right. That's a smart yeah. move. Yeah. Where was the, this? Was it? Was this? Uh, where was the coals? Uh, uh, oh, Ohio. Okay, it's Ohio. Just in his okay. backyard, from the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in Ohio. Well, Ohio's Moundsville. That's true. That is very true. But it's interesting because it was something he couldn't see except through the smoke. That's very interesting. Well, you know, that makes me think of this idea that you know, uh, again, in this the the division between you know material world and the spirit world or whatever you want to call it the other side that uh the the in order for the other side to interact with our material world it needs some sort of medium which is why you know smoke is provided or you know something that is almost ephemeral with w- which the ephemerality of the spirit can uh, interact right right that makes sense and if it's also not in the visible light spectrum <laughs> Well, that's the, that's, I think the more interesting or more recent thing that you've been talking about is this whole light spec. Well, not, you know, I mean, you know, there are other things that you've been drawing on, I think that are, uh, even some of the scientific, uh, yeah. actual yeah, yeah. research that, uh, gets behind this at this point now, uh, in, you know, 2022. And I think that's, that's the way I, I would be curious to see research moving forward is into that, this whole idea of the light spectrum, like near infrared. What's going on there? We right. don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So this is a, this is, a, it was actually just left as a YouTube comment on one of the videos. Uh, we, I don't know which show it was, uh, but from Anne, it says my husband's uncle in Wexford could not find the gate out of his field, which was surrounded by tall hedge. It just wasn't there. It was dusk and he heard music, turned around and there was his jacket dancing a caper in the air then it fell to the ground and the gate was back again huh this uncle was not a fanciful man just a hardcore dairy farmer not a drinker either work was his drug wow well for anybody that's wondering wexford's in ireland um uh and i mean that yeah that's more like sort of classic fairy folk uh uh, phenomena there that's the the music the sort of the 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 dancing motif that's you know the the playfulness of it yep yeah that's yes. wonderful yeah. oh i would love to know if you like heard anybody laughing or anything like that at the same time too yeah and wexford's on the i think is on like the southern uh coast of ireland yeah i wonder what the history is uh of that let's see all right i guess we could squeeze this one in as well this one's fairly short um, I'm a huge fan of the show. I wanted to share with you something that happened to my son last month. Uh, my son is 26 and is a builder in oof, Invercargill. I might have said that right. New Zealand. We live in Te Ano, Anu, and and A N A U, Ano maybe, uh, which is about two hours away. He was working here in Ta'anu for the week, and I'm sure I'm massacring that name, with a workmate at a motel. Brent has a twin brother, and they both have had similar experiences before on the same night. This is Brent's story word for word. Um, And it says, I'm working in Ta'anu, is how I'm going to say it, for the week. 
It's early Tuesday morning. I haven't slept well. My shoulder still hurts. I hear what I think is a cavity sliding door to my room opening. I think in my head, what the hell does my workmate want this early? I remember feeling annoyed because I thought my workmate was invading my space too early in the morning. I also think it's strange it's still dark. If he wanted my attention, surely he would turn on the lights or knock first. I turn my eyes to the door, but this is all I'm able to do. I can't move, speak, or respond in any way. It's like there's a heavy weight over my entire body. At this point, my heart is beating a little faster than normal. I can see a figure open the slider slightly, enter the room, and move from the doorway to beside my bed in the darkness. I can only describe it as a pure black figure with a big head and pretty tall as well. No facial features at all. It stands there looking at me for a second before uttering a low noise, uh, but not yelling. Just a low vocal noise. At this point, I have a terrible feeling of doom and defensiveness. uh, Defensivelessness. Like something bad will happen that I can't stop. I began struggling against this force holding me down, although paralyzed. It takes Uh a great effort. I try to yell F off, all I can think of at the moment. I try to jump out of bed, but I cannot. It disappears after a few moments, and I get up and look at my phone. It's 5.45 a.m., 15 minutes before my alarm is set to go off. And after it's gone, I, I don't feel like I woke up. I felt like I was awake the whole time, but definitely I felt the weight lift from me when it was all over. Mm-hmm. So that's that's somewhat standard sleep paralysis. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we don't know if that's dream imagery or something actually interacting with them. There's no, no real way to know because they, they can be so similar. Right, right. Well, you know, it, what I'd be curious, too, uh, is to know if they were, like, experiencing any kind of life stress or anything like that. Sure, yeah. Uh, when, you know, I, I, I've talked about when I was in my early 20s, I had shadow man experiences in a, a duplex house that I was renting. That were very similar to this. and uh, But the thing was, like, I was also having a really difficult time in my life. Right, <laughs> right. Once my life started being less difficult, you know, it didn't happen. Uh, right. So, I don't know. It, it It's interesting right. stuff. But I, I had that same angry reaction, too, which seemed to work for me to make them go away. Well, this also, you know, I mean, yeah. he's staying at a hotel yeah. with, you know, a workmate, which doesn't, I mean, maybe not someone he normally worked with. I mean, so there could be quite a bit of liminality going on there and potential stress. And a hotel, too, with the, you know, people passing, the, the transient nature of that. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. I don't, you know, uh, I feel like you're more likely to find some, you know, something that if you believe something can be left over from uh, something that happened there. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. All right. So I think that is all we have time for. We're going to do a Patreon segment, hit some AMA questions. I still have a handful of stories left. But uh, if you want to submit your listener story, if something weird's happened to you, um, stories at wheredidtheroadgo.com. And uh, we will gladly read them and talk about them on the air. And uh, it's been way too long since I don't think, I think it's been since. I don't even know if we've done a listener story show this year. Or if we did, it was like in January. Something along those lines. So, Oh, yeah? Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's been a, I keep meaning to do them, and then other stuff comes up. And, uh, yeah, so I know a lot of these stories are from uh, this year, and I had a few from last year that we hadn't gotten to yet. Um, but definitely keep sending them. And the best way, of course, is the email stories at com. So, Chris, where can people find you? Uh, well, uh, in October, uh, the 14th to the 16th, you can find me uh, at the Strange Realities uh, uh-huh. 
conference in Nashville, uh, which Soraya will also be participating in, uh, and we'll be showing a film about where did the road go. So that's what you should look at. Strangerealities.com. All right. But also. Oh, but also Bright Rectangle. There we go. BrightRectangle.com. Bright Rectangle <laughs> Enterprises, my weird little company. And your movies are available now on what? Amazon? You can and- get them on Amazon and Troma now. Um, I love I think, that they're on Troma. Yeah. Oh, I love that too. That's it's it's that really. Uh, I checked off a big um, uh, goal in my life with that one. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. And Super Inframan is uh, available by secret code only. Yes, by secret code only. You you might be able to find me on Instagram, and if I can make my schedule work, I'm going to go to Strange Realities too. So nice. I, I may be in the flesh there instead of in the robot form. Awesome. Oh, you have a flesh form. I mean. Yeah, it looks like it. It's it's kind of like a holographic. Ah, all right, makes sense. All right, thank you guys. Absolutely, thanks. 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 Yeah, so that sore throat I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, which I recorded a couple of days ago. Yep, that is uh, that is at least bout number three with COVID. Uh, luckily, still only a sore throat, slowly getting better. But uh, as you can tell, I'm pretty much uh, losing my voice completely, which is a lot of fun. Uh, ruined my weekend <laughs> completely. So yeah, that's uh, that's great. All right. Um, there's a Patreon segment to this uh, where we deal with uh, questions from patrons. And uh, there's another segment completely different, trying something new, maybe doing some some short shows uh, that I'll be putting up in a few days, dealing with the Calvine photo. To take you out, we're going to hear some Vrangvent. And uh, this is a track called What Happiness Feels Like. And you can find them on all popular streaming uh, platforms. It's V-R-A-N-G-V-E-N-D-T. You can also just go to the um, to the Where the Road Go site, to the entry for those, this particular show or any show and get links to the bands that I'm playing, uh, as well as recaps by Vincent Trewell, who does an awesome job of recapping the shows for me. Help us out. Become a patron. WhereDidTheRoadGo.com. Just click on the big patron link, and uh, I will see you next time.
listening to Where Did the Road Go? This show is made possible in part from our Patreons, and we thank you and everyone listening for helping us continue this exploration of the strange. You can always find everything Where Did the Road Go related at www.wheredidtheroadgo.com. And thank you so much for your support. <laughs>